Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You know, if you want a great sex life, that doesn't magically happen. This isn't the movies. You don't just magically have sex against a shower wall. Because, like, no one does that because water is not a lubricant and slipping and falling is a real concern. So it's like, actually, if you want to have this, like, amazing sex life together, you've got to be putting time and investment into that. You're listening to Relatable, and I'm your host, Star. Hello, hello, guys. I cannot tell you how many times I have fucked up this intro. I have to keep deleting it and then going back and doing it again because I just had a coffee, which was probably a very stupid decision on my behalf. See, I can't even talk. But hey, it's the end of the year. We're grinding, we're pushing through, and I'm so excited to bring you this episode today. In case you can't tell by the title, we are talking about sex, baby. I'm not going to sing. I tried to do that in one of the other recordings I did, and I have officially banned myself from ever doing that again. But guys, today on the pod, we have Lauren French, who is an incredible sexologist, and she's answering all of your questions. We put up a question box on Instagram, as always, and I've added a few extra little spicy ones in there for you. And the reason why I wanted to give platform to this conversation is because for me personally, sex education in school was fucked. Like, sorry, Rambert Girls High School, if you're listening, your sex ed was fucking cooked. Pretty much what we got taught was that if you have sex, you will either get pregnant or you'll get an STD. And that was all it was about. We never learned about pleasure. We never learned about consent and we never learned about sexuality. And the thing with sex is that it's not just about the physical act of engaging in it with another person. There is so much more to it, which is why I'm so, so excited to bring you this conversation. Lauren is just so eloquent. She's also fucking hilarious as well. And I told her that after the interview, it was really funny when we we were recording because whenever she spoke, I had my mic on mute so that we didn't have any echo. So she could see me laughing on the screen, but it's like silent on her end. But in the recording, you guys will obviously hear me laughing because we have two different tracks, but it just would have looked so funny because she's cracking all these really good one-liners and I'm just like silently on the screen like, ha ha ha, which would have looked fucking hilarious. So it's very clear that you guys also had a pretty fucked up experience when it comes to sex education in school. I put a call out and I've got some stories that I want to read out. I asked what was the worst part about your sex ed. Usually we're all about the positive vibes, but for the sake of this episode, we're bringing all the negative vibes. So I'm going to jump into some of the things that you guys sent through. All right, first one. The fact that kids within the LGBTQIA plus community don't get any information on safe sex at all. Holy fuck, that is so true. Like, obviously, I'm coming from the perspective of a cis white woman, so I acknowledge the privilege that I have had in my experience of sex education, but that is so true because it's all just heterosex that we learn about. P plus for G equals baby. That, that's what we learn. So I can't even imagine what that would have been like to experience that from a different perspective when it comes to sexuality, gender identity. So I really, really hope that for the younger generations that it's heading in a better direction, but how the fuck are we supposed to know, right? 
If you are a teacher and you're listening to this episode, please slide into my DMs and let me know what is it like for kids these days? You know, back in the day, obviously it was pretty cooked, but how are we heading in a better direction now? Is the syllabus a lot more inclusive when it comes to information? Please slide into my DMs or jump into the Facebook group because I would love to know what it's like. Okay, here's another one. The teachers really couldn't be bothered. They handed out worksheets for us to label and that's it. Oh my God, I remember we had to do this too. We had to label diagrams of dicks. I'm so glad that I had to do that back in year 10. I feel like it's really empowered me on my sexual journey that I know the anatomy of someone's dick. Not. I feel like that sound kind of goes with like the vibe of like a flaccid penis. (laughs) Sorry for saying the word flaccid. Okay, let's get some POVs from people who went to Catholic schools because I think that's something that a lot of people can relate to. We were told I'm not supposed to show you what condoms are because we are a Catholic school, but here's a diaphragm. Here's what a diaphragm looks like and how to use it. Again. Okay, it's women's responsibility. <laughs> oh my God, wait. This one's actually really funny, but also really fucked up. This is my sibling actually sent this in. Okay. (laughs) It's women's responsibilities to purchase condoms. Like, bitch, I don't have a dick. (laughs) Okay. That's Kyle. You're a fucking legend. That is absolutely hilarious. Oh my God. That's, it's really fucked up that someone said that to you, but hilarious in the way that you delivered that 10 out of 10 absolute chef's kiss. Okay. Here's another one was literally abstain from sex or use a condom. These are the contraception options for women and no more further information. Also, I never knew anything about women's sexual health until I figured it out myself and opening a banana to find a plastic penis and then putting a condom on it. Why am I laughing? My humor is so immature. That is really true. The point about sexual health. Like I just remember it was very like fear based and they wanted to shame us all rather than actually empowering us with information and resources on what to do if we ever were faced with that situation. For me and my group of friends in school, we used to go to like a youth health clinic I think it was it was called Waze I was just kind of like a youth support place and we used to go there and they did all the checks and everything like that and I feel like I got so much more of my education actually going there than I did at school they really just want you to fucking figure this shit out on your own anyways guys thank you so much to everybody who sent your experiences through we had so many come through and I'm so so grateful and let's get into this chat with Lauren So before we jump in, a little icebreaker that I like to do with all of my guests, and you already know that this question was coming. I'd love to know, what was your first email address? So I'm pretty sure, it's really boring. I'm pretty sure my first email address was just like, my name, Lauren underscore, and then Frenchie. I put like an IE at the end of it to be really cool Um, at Hotmail, because of course it was at Hotmail, where else would it be? Um, And that was about it. I, and I feel I kept that email for so long. Like, I'm sure I applied to unis with that email. Well, my email address was moneyhoney21, so I don't think I would have been able to use that for my, e- for my uni applications. <laughs> awesome. Wow. All right. So before we get into some of our questions from the listeners, can you tell us a little bit about your work and what you do as a sexologist? Of course, so I work for the Australian Institute of Sexology and Sexual Medicine as a sexologist, and I also work for a non-for-profit called Body Safety Australia as a sexuality educator. And so in my kind of sexology role, uh, I see individuals, I see couples over a 
large span of sexual issues. So basically that can be stuff about sexual function. So it can be things like erectile issues or sexual pain um, or orgasm issues, or it can be people who want to build more sexual confidence. It can be people who want more sex in their relationships. Um, it's really broad. So I kind of use a bunch of different talk therapy techniques to help kind of get people the sex life they want and start prioritizing their pleasure and start having really amazingly satisfying sex lives. Um, and so I, I always like to put that in there that it's talk therapy because some people do think it's really hands-on, which it really isn't. Um, <laughs> and I do like, I do give like people to do like masturbation homework or like touching homework, but it's things they do alone without me in the room. And then they can come and tell me about it. And we kind of talk through things. Awesome. And what is your favorite part about your job? Um, I work with a lot of female sexual pain patients and sometimes women will come to me after like eight plus years of pain and they haven't had sex in years and it's been super painful and I really see a lot of women who are kind of at the end of their rope. It's like, well, this is it. This is like last thing. And my absolutely favourite thing is over treatment, watching them meet their milestones and because every time they're always like, no, no, I can't do it. And I'm like, yes, you can. And then we get it done and then we get the next thing done and, you know, then they get to a point where they've been able to have penetrative pain-free sex and their face when they're able to come and tell me that is incredible it must be so fulfilling I can only imagine and I think it's amazing that professionals like you exist because I think the way that we learn about sex when we're younger I mean in my experiences particularly it was like okay you just have sex but don't get pregnant it's not about pleasure Mm -hmm. it's not about consent so I'm it makes me so happy to know that people are getting help that the help that they need and living these I guess fulfilling sexual lives how exciting Mm. (laughs) I know I think it's really unfortunate most people like our age or older really always tell me about their sex ed and it's always sounds absolutely terrible and you know my sex ed wasn't the worst but it wasn't the best and what annoyed me because from a young age I thought sex was so interesting I was like I want to talk about this I want to learn about this puberty bodies yes like give me all the information and in sex ed they separated the boys and girls instantly red flag um and they only let the boys put condoms on the girls weren't allowed to learn how to do that and I fully remember going up to my teacher and being like how come like I want to learn how to put a condom on why don't we get to learn this and they were like oh no 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 like the boys are doing that you don't need to do that and I was just so mad at this thing of like why are you denying me education about something that I'm probably going to need to know that is shocking and like how incredible that you've ended up in this career now is meant to be from the start that is so yes. it's so backwards though to learn that like and speaking to some of my friends who say went to catholic schools they have had a completely different experience as well so hopefully with you know help the help of people like yourself it's heading in a better direction when it comes to sexual education um but let's jump in Fingers crossed. <laughs> let's jump into the first question so we put up an instagram a question box on instagram and we had some amazing questions come through so the first one is how can I build my sexual confidence and better communicate what I want in the bedroom? Mm. This is such a common question and such a common thing people come and see me for. And I think media really affects us to have this view that like we should instantly know what we want with sex and we should instantly, like once we start having sex, know what to do and know how to you know, get the pleasure we want. And it somehow feels like a real personal deficit to not know what we like, but if we don't experience it, if we haven't explored ourselves, how could you possibly know what you like? Particularly if, you know, we haven't given ourselves the opportunity to really find that out about ourselves. So to me, when we're thinking about building that confidence, learning about 
our own body, we've got to, you know, for lack of a better term, kind of test it out. And to me, that's really something we do at an individual level. So things like trying to vary masturbation. So most of us all have a way we masturbate. And it's like our go-to, it's our like, yep, this is how I do it. It's normally in the same position. It's normally the same hand actions. It's normally watching, listening, reading the same thing. And so I'm always like, well, what happens if we just mix that up a little bit? Like, what if you try doing that in a different position or, you know, standing or sitting or you watch something different or you listen to audio porn or you read erotica or you just like change it up and you try to work out what you really like. Because yes, there's probably one easy way that like, yeah, I do this and like five minutes later, I have an orgasm done. But like, how do you seduce your own body? How do you really explore your own body? How do you allow yourself the time to really invest in learning about yourself? You know, I think there's no way we can feel super confident sexually unless we've really given our time, given ourselves time to explore that. Next question, how to get out of a rut and gain back sexual chemistry with your partner or initiate sex in a long-term relationship? First, I want to preface this by saying it is normal to have ebbs and flows of desire and libido in long-term relationships. Like, you know, people, I hate the term honeymoon phase, but people talk about it all the time. And it does make sense. You're mu- you're going to be much more sexually kind of I don't know, active, responsive to each other at the beginning because usually you're not like seeing each other every day. And when you do see each other, you've got like a short amount of time. So you're trying to like use it all up. And, you know, yes, because it's new, you have a lot more sexual energy towards each other. As you, as your relationship goes on, like not to be sad, but life happens and like work happens and social stuff happens and like COVID happens. And so like everything kind of happens to the fact where sex is no longer the number one priority which realistically it can't be if you're in a relationship for 10 years like that can't be your number one priority the whole 10 years things happen but obviously if we're having a bit of a lull and we're starting to feel that because that can really start to you know cause a lot of disconnect we can start to feel a bit disconnected from our partner you know we're not getting that same intimacy but my first thing is to build desire I want you to picture a fire like when you go camping have you ever been camping and built your own fire? I've definitely attempted to do so. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, it's hard. It's difficult. And so what I picture that, you know, when you're starting a fire and you get that first little spark, it's like that little spark of the flame and it just starts and it's like super tiny. And that is your first little spark of desire. We all have those in a day. Like you might be cooking dinner, you might be walking to work or whatever. And like we often get these little mini sparks of arousal. But what happens is that tiny little flame, people go, oh, okay, I've had this spark of arousal. Let's go and have sex. But sex is like a huge big log that you just dropped on that tiny flame. What's going to happen if you drop a log on a very tiny, tiny little flame? It's going to go out. It's going to go out because we haven't built it up yet. So I often tell people, okay, you need to build your own desire. So not only does that mean you yourself have to build your own sexual desire, things like masturbation, self-exploration, but also you've got to build your intimacy with your partner. Don't try and jump straight to sex. Like what about a makeout session? What about some massage? What about showering together? What about just like grabbing each other's butts cheekily in the kitchen? Like why are we going straight from, oh, I'm a little bit horny to, okay, I need to have sex now. Like build yourself up, imagine that fire and you don't want to get the log until your fire is ready for it. 
And what about if your partner and you have very like very different schedules and you feel like your I guess the way that the times that you're aroused or whatever they just don't match up. What are some ways that we can combat that? Yeah, scheduling is always a difficult one in relationships. I would say you know, one technology is there for a reason. And, you know, maybe it's that we need to do some sexting stuff and we need to like, so that everyone can do it in their own pace kind of thing or go old school, write each other dirty letters and like leave them for each other around the house or something. So that when you're feeling it, you can do it and give it to them and then they can read it when they're feeling it. Like my big thing is be creative, be curious around it. Okay. So we don't have a schedule that means we can sit down tonight after dinner and make out. Okay, so when are we going to inject some of that intimacy? Is it over the phone during the day? Is it in the morning? Is it that maybe I have to get up half an hour earlier, which I know sucks, but maybe I do that so that I can have a little bit of time with my partner. You know, it's, it is working out, okay, how is this going to work for us? And sometimes it means scheduling. And I know no one thinks scheduling is sexy. So I will say it can be because if you know that, okay, the only time we've got together is going to be you know, Thursday afternoon and we're going to book in that time together. For the whole week, your anticipation is building. You get excited. You're like, oh, I can't, can't counting down the days and the hours and the minutes until I get to this time with my partner. So I think, yes, scheduling can be really, you know, people go, oh, it's not spontaneous. But I'm like, yeah, but let the anticipation build then. Get excited and, you know, make it sexy. Pair that with a sexy letter around the house. That is hot. Yes, like hide it behind the, I don't know, coffee machine or something. So they get up in the morning and see it and it like, it becomes a really highlight of the day. I love that. Matt, if you're listening, my my partner, get ready to find some letters around the house. That's awesome. Yes. Just make, obviously just make sure you know no one else finds your letters but you know although like, I, I kind of also don't care about that I think that's hilarious but <laughs> don't accidentally put it in a Christmas card for your auntie that might be a bit awkward <laughs> double check the Christmas cards people all right Lauren so you said that you work a lot with women who have sexual pain so this next question is perfect for that um so tips for people with endo and chronic pelvic pain yeah so I work in partnership with pelvic floor physios and at our clinic, basically I will do partnership work and multidisciplinary approach to pelvic floor pain because, and for kind of chronic sexual pain, because a lot of the time you're either kind of dealing with vaginismus or vulvodynia. Now the difference between those two is vulvodynia is pain a lot of the time on the outside, so on the vulva. So that's like pain around the clitoris or on the outside. It's like pain when you sit or after sex, it might be uncomfortable to have clothing on your on your vulva, like that kind of pain, that's called vulvodynia. And then the other pain, vaginismus, is the deep pain. That's like when you can't have penetration, like can't do a finger, can't do a tampon, definitely can't do a penis. Um, And it it feels like it's hitting a wall. And people often describe it as like a burning, stinging, stabbing pain. And this is, these two things are the things that we work with the pelvic floor physios with, because basically you want to do both approaches because yes, there's physical relaxation stuff um, that you can do in training and breathing and different exercises with the pelvic floor physios to help relax your pelvic floor and help get your body more comfortable with penetration. And so you get to a pain-free space, but we also need the sexology side of it because Basically, when you have sexual pain, you are deep within a pain cycle. And so when we talk about a pain cycle, that basically means like for whatever reason, and this could be because, you know, media told you that sex is painful the first time, which 
it, you know, it shouldn't be, just to put that out there. Sex should never be painful. Um, and so, but what happens is you have that or you have an injury or you have a UTI or you have something that makes sex painful. And your brain basically goes, okay, well, sex is painful now. We've just, that's full stop, end of story, sex is painful. So now every time your body goes to have sex, your body tenses and gets ready for pain and fully like goes, no, I do not want this thing in me. So then your pelvic floor activates and gets really tense and sex hurts. And then because sex hurt, it re-travels up to your brain to say, yep, sex was painful. You were right. This is shit. And then it keeps going and going in a cycle. So not only do you need breathing and physical exercises to help relax your pelvic floor, you need the sexology side to help us get out of this pain cycle and move towards pleasure. We need to disrupt it. We need to put pleasure in there. And, you know, because it's really difficult, even maybe when we can start having penetration without pain, to mentally connect that with something that we want to do and that is exciting and, you know, the kind of sex we want to be having. So for someone experiencing this pain who hasn't, I guess, started any treatment or isn't being guided by, guided by a professional, what would you say are some sexual practices that they can engage in, um, I guess, with a partner or with themselves to kind of explore that a little bit further while they're ongoing uh, with their treatment? Yeah. My big thing is if penetration hurts, stop doing penetration. Like it's so, so often people go, well, if I just use enough lube or if I just push through it or if I just, no. If we're not, if we're not at a point where we're working with a pelvic floor physio or a sexologist, I really like don't, because you're just staying in a cycle of pain. Doesn't help. So while we're kind of waiting to do that work, I recommend, you know, it might sound silly, but the everything but method, which is, you know, actually explore pleasure without penetration. For most female bodies, penetration is not actually the center of the universe and the center of pleasure. You know, our clitoris is that, you know, we want that outer place. So actually, can we explore oral sex? Can we explore that stimulation? Can we explore toys with our partner? And actually, you can still have an amazingly fulfilling sex life with a partner without penetration. And so actually looking into all of those other things we can do. And I actually think in a partnership, we get so much more creative and our sex life can be so much more incredible when we're exploring all of that. We often see penetration as the be all and end all of sex. Sex is penetration, penis in a vagina, that is sex. But that is such a tiny view. And actually sex can be so much more than that. And really penetration is just like the cherry on top of the sex cake. Like it's there if we want it, it's great if we can do it, but actually there's so much more stuff we can do outside of that one action. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Love that so much. All right. How can I feel more connected to the sexual side of myself? Mm. I, I was working with one of our other sexologists at the clinic and we were talking about uh, like anorgasmia, which is when you have an inability to orgasm or there's a block or you can only orgasm on your own, not your partner, et cetera. And we were kind of talking about different approaches and ways that we talk to you know clients about this. And I loved their approach, which was, and I started to like integrate it myself, which was, you know, why do we think we can just turn on the sexual side of ourselves in the bedroom or right when we need it? Like it's actually about creating a connection to your sensual side over your entire life. And so to me, I'm like, okay, let's think outside the bedroom. 
okay, yes, we can look at masturbation. Yes, we can look at all that amazing stuff. But outside of that, what do you do that makes you feel sensual, that makes you feel pleasurable, that makes you feel kind of sexy? And so often people go, oh, okay, sexy. So I've got to put on like leather or a corset or like a red dress and that has to be sexy. But actually what makes you feel sexy? Like what's the most unsexy thing that is sexy? Like I love like eating mango with my hands. That feels really sensual. That's such a like, like eating it um, or like showers, washing my hair. Like that is not a super, super sexual thing. But when I like, you know, if I have some music on in the shower, because I'm a big music shower person, um, if I have some low lighting, maybe I put a candle on because, you know, why not, oh, you know, have some nice seducing time with myself and like fully washing my hair to just really focus on that feeling like I can feel super sensual doing that. And so it's like, okay, find your sensual moments throughout your day. Maybe it's you, you know, we're walking down the street and you've got this really good walk going on and you're like, hell yeah, I feel sensual. Or, you know, you were stretching, you're doing yoga and then you're doing like the end stretches and you were like, you know, oh yes, feeling your body. You know, I think it's, it's just about finding those moments as well, which will help put less pressure on, okay, I'm in the bedroom. I've got to turn on my sexy kind of sexual goddess person. And leading on from that, how can you feel more connected to your partner during sex? Because I, I know for me, sometimes I'll be in the middle of sex and I'll be like, oh shit, what am I having for dinner tomorrow? Like, you know, your mind does tend to, <laughs> tend to wander sometimes. So how can you stay more present in the moment when engaging in sex? Mm. Yeah, it's, it's something I work with people around all the time. It's a really, it's a really common issue for women to have, I must say, like in, in the people that I see, though I definitely know men who have it as well. Um, and it's this kind of complete mind separation. I, I call it basically a disconnect. The brain and the body gets disconnected. Like we might be feeling pleasure, feeling our partner. And then, yeah, you, as you said, your brain goes, yeah, but like those dishes or like actually the cat might need feeding now or actually have you done this thing? And like, you're like, what brain, what are you doing? I'm, you know, my partner's going down on me. Can you just like be quiet? Um, <laughs> but it's like, okay, other than working with a sexologist, which I think you should definitely be doing if you're having that a lot to the point where it's becoming really problematic. But I would say my number one tip is always to do some mindfulness as much as cliche as kind of the mindfulness can be. It is about refocusing into your body. So like having a regular mindfulness practice basically gives you a good base to help do that. So because what you're wanting to do is in the moment, if your brain's like, what about the groceries? You have to be like, okay, quiet. Thank you for that. Um, I need to refocus now. And I always say the easiest way to do that is focus on your breath and touch. So like even if your partner's going down on you and you're like trying to get back into the moment, put your hand on like your stomach or your chest and just like feel your own breath for like five breaths and just remember sensation. And then that'll kind of help ground you again. But I would say ongoing, you need to do a nice regular mindfulness practice. And if it's still an issue, you need to see a sexologist because maybe we've got some other stuff going on that's kind of putting a bit of a block for us. It is really also linked, isn't it? Everything, Yeah, I mean, it's your body. So everything that's happening at the same time. And I would love to know, should uh, an orgasm always be, I guess, the end goal when it comes to sex? No. Oh, and I, it's so, we become so goal focused on orgasm. And I mean, I read that all the time. And look, I'm not going to pretend I love an orgasm. Orgasms are great. Highlight of the day sometimes can be a great orgasm. 
but I've had amazing sex without an orgasm and I've had pretty average sex with an orgasm. So it's like it doesn't create the best thing. I think what you should be aiming for with sex, particularly with a partner, is pleasure. And that shouldn't end when someone has an orgasm, particularly if only one person has had an orgasm. And it's something that is, you know, if we have orgasms, lovely, but actually I want connection or I want fun, I want playfulness, I want pleasure. And that doesn't really have anything to do with an orgasm. Awesome. Wow, guys, I'm sure you are learning as much as I am right now. Uh, So we had a question come through. What causes low libido and what are some things I can do to increase it? Oh, it's one of those like how long's a piece of string. There's so many things that can cause low libido. And I think, you know, I want to kind of name a few big ones, which is like medications. So antidepressants and things. So I think if you're on any antidepressants and you're noticing a really drop in libido or even drop in sexual function. Like we might not be getting as wet or as erect or any of those things. So I would talk to your doctor, talk to your GP about finding a medication that has less sexual side effects because there are antidepressants that have, that are meant to have a, you know, less impact on that. Um, So that's a big thing, but your big thing is environment, stress, tiredness, you know, and I think, you know, I've talked a lot about this in other spaces around, COVID and lockdowns and et cetera. But, you know, <clears throat> if, we're feel, if we're in a really unsafe environment, if we're really stressed, if we're really uncertain, you know, your body's in a bit of hyper arousal, but not in a good way. In like hyper arousal of like fight, flight, freeze mode. Like we're constantly in this kind of survivalist mode. And that is not a sexy time. That is not a time where our brain goes, this is really great to be vulnerable and naked and intimate is when your kind of whole world is freaking out. And so we also have to be kind to ourselves about the fact that actually we've all experienced low libido recently and it's normal to have experienced low libido recently. And I think because as we're slowly starting to, you know, I don't know, I don't want to sound like a politician, you know, in these unprecedented times, uh, but it's like, (laughs) as we're slowly getting out of it, it's like people go, oh, well, I should be able to just snap back to what I was. And it doesn't work like that. It's going to take some time. So, you know, I think be aware of that environment Um, be aware of medication uh, and be aware of that inner stress you know anxiety and tiredness you know if we're exhausted and stressed about work and we're trying to meet a deadline and then we're like okay now I'm going to relax and have sex it's like like no one no no one has a mindset for that that's not happening I think that leads really nicely into the next question does sex define love in a relationship Mm. Well, I want to do a shout out to all my amazing asexual people out there because no, of course it doesn't. You can have beautiful romantic relationships and deep loving connections without ever having sex. So definitely not. And I would say as well, because, you know, I would say in friendships as well, you can have the most deep love with a friend and that sex never has to come into play with that either. So I think love is a lot more broad than just sex. I do think though, if you're in a sexually intimate loving relationship sex can be a really big part of it and I often tell my clients you know like when sex works and when sex is just something that like happens and it, and there's no issues sex is like 10% of your relationship it's not that big it just happens in the background it does all its good things and it, it's just there when there's issues with sex you know mismatched libidos when there's sexual dysfunction when there's whatever it balloons to like 90% of your relationship because you're fighting about it, even though you're not fighting about sex, but you are, and it's frustrating and then it's affecting mood and it's affecting closeness and it's blah, 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 blah. So like it ends up everywhere. 
So I think, no, it's not, you know, the be all end all of the relationship. It doesn't make or break it necessarily, but it can have a huge impact and effect on it. And I think sometimes people go, oh, well, we've, we've been together this long or, oh, we're, you know, we're dating. So sex is just going to work. But just like anything, it takes commitment and time and energy to keep investing in your sex life you know if you want a great sex life that doesn't magically happen this isn't the movies you don't just magically have sex against a shower wall because like no one does that because water is not a lubricant and slipping and falling is a real concern so it's like actually if you want to have this like amazing sex life together you've got to be putting time and investment into that okay wow I'm putting that quote at the start of the podcast because that was epic I was just going to say, I hear that all the time, like sex against walls and like on beaches and in shower. And I'm always just like, God, movies have really just like warped with our brain. Cause I'm like, there is nothing more awkward and like uncomfortable than some of those like hot sex scenes in movies. I can promise you I've tried them. Not great. You don't want to get sand up your bum. It's not, not the most comfy thing. Like that, like exfoliant is lovely, but a vulva (laughs) is not a place to exfoliate to be really clear. All right. so like no. <laughs> so um, for any listeners who I guess haven't really had much uh, play with sex toys and things like that, what are your recommendations for someone who's wanting to kind of explore mm-hmm. that a little bit? Oh, yes. Love a sex toy. So fun. Um, and I think if you're buying your first sex toy, it's like it's more it's been fun to me than like buying your first car. I'm like, yes, what I always love asking what was your first <laughs> sex toy? Because I think it's such a fun like to see kind of where everyone's at. Although some people answer like electric toothbrush, which I love. Um, But my thing, so for kind of vulva owners, I would say so often we go straight to like, oh, I need like a dildo or I need a, I need a big, you know, eight inch vibrator. And I'm like, oh, that's like a lot. Um, And like, maybe you do, but I would always say, you know, focus on where your pleasure point is. Your pleasure point is your clitoris. So like what's something that's really focused on that? I think suction toys are amazing. They're probably my favorite at the moment. And so I would go with some form of a suction toy to really focus on your clitoris, like focus on that pleasure. And it's a very different sensation than you can give yourself. You cannot give yourself that same sensation, which is what I like about that toy as well. For our penis owners, I would say, like, if you want to explore some anal options, always fun. Your prostate is an amazing gem of a thing. Um, But maybe we're not quite there because it's a first toy. So, Lauren, (laughs) calm down. Uh, I would recommend getting some sort of, like, masturbatory sleeve. So something that's like, uh, like that basically that you use when you're masturbating to go over the penis, basically to kind of stimulate something other than your hand. You can get really high tech ones that are like warming and vibrating and like do incredible, amazing things. But it's really fun to also just get like a little kind of silicone based one that is, has different textures in it. Um, I think often, unfortunately, we're very gendered with our sex toys. It's like empowering and amazing for women to have sex toys. And it's kind of weird and gross for guys too. And I hate that. Everyone can have sex toys and explore themselves. And I think it's only fair that we should all have equal opportunities to do that. So I think no matter what genitals you have, explore a sex toy. Find something that enhances your own pleasure and it can be fun. Yeah, uh, for all the vulva owners out there, I can definitely second the suction toys are incredible. I think I've got the Satisfier Pro. It's a little penguin. 
And it's got so many settings as well. Like I've pressed the button all the way to the end and I'm like, holy fuck, that's too much for me, but it might not be too much for you. So (laughs) I think for me, when I got that, I went from like some shitty vibrator from eBay that probably cost like $10. And then I went into the sex shop and I got this and I was like, my life has changed. This is amazing. (laughs) Yeah, like I've had a few different suction toys and I love each one more than the next. Like I'm so amazing. The one I kind of have at the moment is the Melt um and it's like uh, and it's this it's it's just great so if if you're wanting a suction toy they are really amazing um it's 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 a very different sensation the bullet vibrators need to be thrown in the bin um cancelled 100% and look that controversial opinion because everyone always starts with a hilariously way too intense like level one on a bullet vibrator is like level 27 everywhere else but everyone clearly just starts with that but like please 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 don't I got zapped by mine once because I think the battery was dodgy or something and I was like oh okay and also like you have to be no one ever does but you have to be careful what batteries you put in them because yes some batteries are just way too powerful but no one does that because you just use whatever batteries you had in your house because you know we were all like 18 or 19 when we got them and so, yeah, and people ended up like zapping themselves or like, oh, just it's, you know, and I think with sex toys as well, it's like I'm very much about quality and, you know, wanting to kind of find something that works. And yes, I would say some sex toys can be a bit expensive. And, you know, I, there's a quote, I think, I think it was from, it's like some old school showing my age of it YouTube video, just talking like porn stars. And this porn star was like, you get what you pay for. And I recommend paying a lot. And I oh, it's just stuck with me because I'm like, yeah, I, you know, you don't have to, you know, do a small house deposit on a sex toy. But like, I would say if, if it's like, you know, if you're like, oh, it's only like $10, it's probably only $10 for a reason. <laughs> sex toys from Wish probably do not recommend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't go to Facebook Marketplace for sex toys. <laughs> And I think it's awesome that we can buy so many things online now. I mean, for me personally, I love going to a sex shop. I find it so fun. I always go with my friends. Um, and I just think the whole experience is so cool just to see what they have in there. Um, but I mean, for people who don't so much enjoy the physical experience, at least there are so many incredible websites where you can do it online now. A hundred percent. Shout out to Flossy, which is a Brisbane-based uh, sex toy uh, online platform. Amazing. And Posmo which is a new one that's just come up from a sexologist that I work with and it's great and it's all based on queer theory and it's so cool. So, yeah, I would 100%, even if you can't go into a sex shop, just go online and, like, have a feel. Some of them have hilarious quizzes where they get to tell you which sex toy you should have. So would recommend. (laughs) That is awesome, Lauren. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I'm so grateful for your time and I'm sure that we are all feeling a little bit spicy right now or we certainly will be when we start pursuing our little sexy adventures. A hundred percent. Follow your desire, little fires, have your moments and, you know, embrace the horniness, embrace the masturbation, embrace your, you know, candlelit showers. I recommend them hugely. And, you know, just get in touch with your inner sexuality. Even if you're in a relationship, if you're single, doesn't matter. We all have an individual sexuality. And that is something that we all are allowed to explore and build up and, you know, enjoy. So just go and enjoy yourself. 
Oh my goodness. Was that not amazing? I told you it was going to be amazing. I feel like I'm going to say that at the end of every episode, but holy wow. I hope you guys are feeling extra sexy, extra spicy, and very empowered after listening. Let's normalize having these open conversations about sex. I know that I certainly learned a lot from Lauren and I'm so bloody grateful for her for coming on the podcast. And after our interview, we did say, well, we'll most likely do a follow-up episode because I'm sure this will spark some conversation conversations, plant some seeds in your mind, and we'll certainly get her back on for another episode. So if there are any specific topics when it comes to sex, please let me know. Obviously today was quite broad, just kind of giving you the overview, but if there's anything specific that you guys would like me to get into, please let me know. Now it wouldn't be the end of an episode if we didn't go for a deep dive into my TikTok and Instagram DMs and comments. This is where I bring you the most fucked up comments or DMs that I've got gotten over the past week. All right. The first one is, do you even have a real job? What's to be so stressed about? Not podcasting. Podcasting is not a real job, guys. Um, Just to let you know, old mate, I actually do have a job. I also have a business. The podcast is just one thing that I do. I'm a busy woman. There's a bit of girl boss energy going on around here. But just to fuck with this guy, I replied back to his comment and I was like, yeah, I do have a job. I'm your boss. Shut up and go do your work. (laughs) We just love taking the piss around here, guys. Okay, one more for good luck. This was on a video of um, the Christmas party that I went to with all the people signed by the same talent agent as me attention seekers anonymous Christmas party I mean the whole kind of point of posting on social media is to get attention from other people right so I couldn't have said it any better myself as I mentioned last week I feel like people are kind of behaving themselves a little bit because maybe they've listened to the podcast and they know holy shit this chick's gonna come on and read out what I've said to her but guys as always if you did enjoy today's episode please take a screenshot chuck it up on your story and let me know because I love connecting with you and in the Facebook group we're going to be having some further sexy conversations in there so I'll pop the link to that in the show notes as well as all of Lauren's information if you do want to go and see her I've got some really exciting content coming up for you guys over the next couple of weeks I hope you have a fantastic Christmas New Year's all of that stuff stay safe and as always I'll see you next week 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com work. Shopify.com work.